turn to Exodus chapter 20. Thanks to the band for that. Appreciate it. Um, you know, this summer, uh, the, there was a sermon series kind of set in motion on practices of the church. And uh, I had to cut three of them just because of stuff going on in Baton Rouge and different times when we would, you know, adjust things because of all that. And so I had to narrow it down because this is the last... The last one, um, you know, for a couple of reasons. And so uh, the one that made the cut was our old buddy Sabbath. How about that? Um, this is one, like this practice of the church, I think, is just as important as the Lord's Supper and as baptism and as gathering for worship and as prayer and as all the things that we've been talking about, things that are regular parts of what it means to be uh, disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, the people of God, this should be built into it. And yet, it is not. It's one of those parts of the Ten Commandments that we just kind of feel like belongs in the Old Testament somewhere, you know, or, or like you have to be Jewish to, to participate in that, or that's kind of this lost thing. Or we have assumed that, like, Sunday being the day you go to church, that's kind of the same thing. And it really is not at all the same thing. And so I'm just going to spend a few minutes kind of coming back to this. I feel like God has, has us circling back to it regularly in the last couple of years. And some of you have, um, have pursued this, have like, tried to figure out how does real Sabbath fit into life in 2016 as an American. And uh, what does that look like? And how, do, how does it work? And what are things that can make it help us get closer to its full meaning and so I know some of you have been kind of wrestling through that and have worked toward that. And some of you, I think, have been very hesitant uh, because it seems super impractical. And a lot of what I'm about to say, you're going to want to dismiss right away. And so I'll just ask you to not do that. At least give me a hearing first. You know? And more importantly, listen to what God wants to say through the scriptures. Because when we dismiss something that he has given us, uh, it's, a little, it's a little arrogant and um, perhaps we should continue to try to be open to what he has for us. Um, so please just maybe hang in there with me a little bit. Um, in terms of Sabbath and what it means and where it comes from, there's really two big ideas that need to immediately come to mind. So we probably think really quickly of, yeah, it's the, it's the seventh day and it's a, it was a day of rest. That's probably what, part of what comes to mind when you hear the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I want to look at two passages, Exodus 20 and uh, in the Deuteronomy 5, which are almost, the, almost identical except for this one part. Um, so look at Exodus 20, starting in verse 8. So this is the Ten Commandments passage, and this is, you know, there's, there's Moses giving the law. Uh, you've seen Charlton Heston holding the two big tablets, right? This is like the big moment. Here it comes, and this is a part of what God has for his people, uh, starting in verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
Okay? More explanation given to that commandment than any of the other ones. And so God gives this instruction about this, within a week, if there are seven days, the seventh one, you are to not work. Nobody in your house, no one in the, in the community, no one in the nation of Israel is to work. And he ties it to the creation narrative in Genesis 1, Genesis 2. And so the first thing that we need to think about with Sabbath is, is creation. We need to think about where, where it comes from, this model of, set, of six days of work, a seventh day of rest, um, and how he ties it together. And you can see it, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh. So God builds this masterpiece in six days, and on the seventh he concludes his work. If you were to go and you were to read uh, in Genesis 2, says that he, he finished up his work, he rested, and he was pleased, and he blessed it. And so God has given, like handed this down to us. And resting isn't, God didn't rest because he was tired. You would have been tired building the whole universe simply by speaking it into existence. But God was not tired. So that word rest, uh, it's kind of one of those things that unfortunately might throw us off just a little bit in our understanding of really what's being said here. Rest was not because he was tired. Um, it was resting in terms of enjoying what he had made. Uh, you might not be as weird as I am in a lot of ways. One of the weird things that I've noticed about myself as an adult is I will go out and I will cut my grass and I'll get everything all finished and then I'll walk out and admire how awesome my yard looks. And I'll think, I bet my neighbors are going to compliment me. One, on finally cutting my grass, but two, on just like what a phenomenal job that I, I had done. At the house I lived in before, the one I live now, it had a really, really thick grass, and I had an edger, and I would, I would spend too much time getting that edge just right. And then I would come back with the weed eater and kind of, uh, kind of like, like slope it down just a little bit, like kind of give it a little contour. And I would find myself like throughout the day going out and just like looking through the blinds at how good it looked. You probably don't do anything that weird, right? But I bet when you have done something creative, you've poured yourself into something. There are times when you sit back and you're like, that is a good gumbo that I just made, you know? You enjoy it and you enjoy watching other people enjoy the things that you cook, maybe the things that you build. Some of you have done some things for your kids, and, and you know, sometimes you hear people talk about like, how much effort goes into putting toys together when they don't come assembled. and You put all this effort into the toys, and then as parents, you're a little bitter at having to read all the instructions, but your joy in watching your kids love what you labored over is pretty awesome. Um, that's the kind of rest that we're talking about. Not the weird, look at, your, look at what a good job I did cutting the grass kind of weird. It's the, it's, the, it's the joy of a parent who has poured themselves into something for their kids, and the parent gets to rest, anticipating how much joy the kid's going to have with, with what it was, watching them enjoy it. Um, it's that pleasure and that joy in what has been created and the joy that's going to come from it. That's the kind of rest. And so God spends six days systematically, slowly, just building this perfect universe, probably loving every bit of it, especially when it came time to form a little person made in his image. 
And then from that person to make another person and to give them to one another in marriage. And come the seventh day, it was like, I'm just going to kick back and relax and enjoy what all has been made. Um, there's been some parallel made throughout history of, the, of, of a temple being constructed and and the, the God, like the last thing that would happen whenever someone would build a temple is that the God would move into the temple and dwell inside of the temple. And so God is building this creation and then he, is, he himself is a part of dwelling in the midst of all that he's made and he's enjoying it. Adam and Eve are there. They're cultivating, they're growing, they're tending to the garden and they're tending to one another and they're, they're in this image of their creator. And what did their creator do? He took time at the end of his creation to enjoy his creation. And so as from, from the very beginning, we see this pattern that God has established and we have to see Sabbath as one of the ways that we bear the image of the God who made us. He's a God of great creative power and of work and he's a builder and he's a dreamer and he's he's artistic and he has all this vision and all this like just amazing stuff to him and he also is going to enjoy what he has done he's not a workaholic his cre- his creative purposes have an end and the end is ultimately it seems to be joy pleasure love <clears throat> And so that is what one thing we should think of when we think of Sabbath is, no, this is like a chance for us to, to stop working and enjoy what God has done through us over this past week, over these six days, and to enjoy, enjoy what He has done and to anticipate what He's going to do as we go forward. And so Sabbath is much deeper than just a day off. Sabbath is about us realizing we're made in the image of a Creator who stops and enjoys his creation. We're headed toward a future of constantly, forever, enjoying what God has done. And so it's another one of those practices for us that brings the past and the future into the present. It has this amazing power whenever we will relax and listen to him and trust him. So in the Ten Commandments, written on the tablets with his own finger, is this instruction... Don't work on the seventh day, because I didn't work on the seventh day. Enjoy days one through six on the seventh day, because I enjoy days one through six on the seventh. So we need to think of creation and how it's part of bearing the image of God. If you want to turn a few pages over to Deuteronomy 5, you can, but you can just stay there if you want to. Deuteronomy 5 There's uh, the same retelling, except there's a different aspect. Instead of connecting it to creation, uh, there's a different kind of connection that's made. And verse 14 is where it kind of varies a little bit. It says, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner within your gates... That's all just like it was before. Here's a little difference. That your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. That's kind of interesting. Um, then he says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. 
And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now think about this. This, is, this was new to me in my research for this. Um, in Exodus, he ties it to, to the, the pattern of creation being made in the image of God. Here, ties it to the Exodus. That they were enslaved in Egypt, that God rescued them and brought them out, and he is establishing them as their own free nation, um, un, like the people of God under his care, and here, here he is giving them their laws, and one of them is to rest on that seventh day. I was reading a book by Dr. 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 Sandra Richter, and uh, she uh, she pointed out. She said, "Think about think about the audience here for a second. You're talking about people who have only known slavery. There's not a single person that was there at the foot of Mount Sinai when Moses came down. Not a single person who knew freedom." The oldest person there had worked from as soon as they were physically able to work, and they had worked probably every single day for their entire lives for the Egyptians, making bricks and making use doing whatever whatever was required of them every single day without stop. And so here are these people who had been rescued, they had, had seen God do amazing things, and now here they were at the foot of, the, of this mountain, and Moses comes down and says, here, here are the laws, there's only ten, and one of them is, every seventh day, you cannot work. What a gift to people who only know slavery, who only know labor, to say there's going to be a whole day where not only do you not have to work, you can't work. And nobody can work, so everyone's in the same boat. Here God ties the Sabbath day and observing the Sabbath to the exodus, to the freedom that he has given them, to the redefining of what it means to be the people of God. And the people of God are not workaholics. He says, I rescued you from, from that kind of labor and that kind of enslavement. I've brought you and I've made you a new kind of people and we are people who work, but we're not people who work all the time. We're people who take a seventh, that seventh day off because our God did, and because it reminds us of what we have been freed from. It is a gift that he has given us out of love and out of care. Not only that, I want your servants to rest as well. It's almost like he knew our, our, this propensity that we have to, to, like, to rise into different classes and um, to kind of oppress other kinds of people, that there was potential, even in this group of freed slaves, for certain ones of them to become powerful and others of them to become uh, to lose their authority and power and for some sort of hierarchy to develop. And so God from the beginning says, hey, and if some of you become servants to one another, which is, when we think slavery, it's a little bit different. It was more like indentured service. Uh, it says no matter who's working for you, they take the day off too. You're not going to become what you were freed from. I'm not going to let you, so I'm going to build it into the rules. And so the tie to the Exodus is really deep, because every time the Exodus is mentioned throughout the Bible, it's always in the context of talking about the covenant. God's covenant faithfulness to his people. Anytime they forget, and throughout the whole Old Testament, every time you read about it, what's the... What's the 
What is the, like, the point of reference that they go back to? How do they know God is faithful? How do they know God loves them? How do they know that they're his people? Oh, yeah, because he freed them from, e- from Egypt. He rescued them from slavery. It's their point of reference all the time. And so when the Sabbath is connected to your liberation and your redemption and your freedom, then every seven days, what happens? You are reminded of whose you are and what he has rescued you from over and over and over again. It is incredibly deep. He's helping them make sure they don't get lost in labor and effort and all the things that that come with daily life. You don't have to turn to this. Um, in Exodus 31, the Lord says to Moses, this is 12 and 13. It says, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. As you go about your generations, every seventh day you're going to practice this, and it's going to remind you that I'm the one that sanctifies you. Not your labor, not your accomplishments, not any of the other things that you're going to want to cling to for identity or worth or anything else. I'm the one that sanctifies you. And every seventh day, when you're unable to go put your hands to these things that you want to find your identity in, when you literally are, like, are restricted from being able to do that, it's going to be a reminder that you're made in the image of God and you're a part of a covenant relationship with Him. That's what the Sabbath is supposed to be for us. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, maybe, maybe it's just me. But I think it's really beautiful. Like, I think that's, there's so much symbolism to it. And for us to just think, no, like our, well, for Christians, as a Sabbath, that's just our Sundays. That's just that's a Jewish word for, for Sunday. You know? And it's not. There's a lot more to it than that. We don't see a ton of of evidence in the New Testament. Sometimes people dismiss it. They're like, oh, that's old covenant. That's old whatever. There really isn't a ton of stuff in the New Testament about it as far as explicit teaching. And that's probably because, one, it was assumed that the people of God were going to keep being the people of God. And so there probably wasn't a need to like wave that banner too much because that's what they were all doing anyway. We see Jesus practicing the Sabbath. We see Paul practicing the Sabbath. Um, so it was probably assumed... And also, Jesus is the fulfillment of what the Sabbath was pointing to. He's the fulfillment of, of that image of God being restored, of the covenant faithfulness of God and Him fulfilling His promises. He's the fulfillment of the one who has come to bring liberty to the captives and re- restore sight to the blind and set liberty to those who were oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's the like incarnate year of Jubilee where everyone is freed from all their debts. That's who he was. And so Jesus being the fulfillment of the Sabbath doesn't mean that we no longer have to celebrate the Sabbath. It, act, just, and it deepens the meaning of what we're doing together. That in our rest, in our seventh day of the week, we're just learning and discovering more about who he is. Reminded of that faithfulness and that image that we are made in. You can also, if you're, if you're needing more, more than that to prove it, Hebrews 4 t- talks about entering into the Lord's rest. And a lot of people believe that that's connected to Sabbath, even though it doesn't have that word. And Isaiah 66 talks about the new earth 
and, and using Sabbaths, Sabbaths as a marker of passing time. And so there's pretty good, pretty good evidence there, too. So if you want a definition of Sabbath, let me just use one that we used in summer groups last year. Um, so stopping regularly from work in order to intentionally enjoy God, His creation, and the fruits of your labor. Receiving great joy in all that God has done and is doing. I'll read that again. Stopping regularly from work in order to intentionally enjoy God, His creation, and the fruits of your labor. Receiving great joy in all that God has done and is doing. We do this because it's part of the image that we bear. It's part of the covenant that we, by His grace alone, get to be a part of. And He keeps the world going while we're at rest. That teaches us some really important things. Um, I don't know if there's, there's any truth to this. It's, you know, like the, the World Wide Web has some, like, a lot of stuff on it. And so I found someone across this thing about Sabbath, and I don't know if it's true or not. But I think it's in, this, it's in the right spirit, so I don't feel really weird about bringing it to you. Someone took the word Sabbath and was like, hey, have you noticed that Abba is in the middle Okay, and then they kind of did this like breakdown about how the S part of Sabbath um, means my, and then Abba means daddy or father. It's a very personal uh, word. And then the TH means sign. And so this person was trying to say, no, this, like honoring the Sabbath, practicing the Sabbath, setting it apart and keeping it holy is a sign to you and to everyone else of who your father is. Saying, look, we, our father is in control of things, so we don't have to work 24-7. We can be dialed in 24-6, and then on that seventh one, dad keeps it going. Like to have that kind of reputation, when people are like, oh, I don't know much about Christianity, tell me a little bit about it. That a part of the explanation is like, yeah, and they take one day a week where they don't, they don't labor at all because they trust that God's going like to keep everything going without them having to be involved in like double-checking everything and whatever. That was a part of the reputation of Israel. That's, that's why at times they were, they were even attacked on the Sabbath day because their enemies knew we can count on them not being on their guard on this one day. And so for the Christian church, for the New Testament church, we, we have lost some of that. And I think we need to recapture it. Dallas Willard, um, he says that 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 is sort of the, the non-agrarian um, like counterpart for us today. So a lot of ancient Israel, a lot of this revolved around crops and working the land and those kinds of things. And they would... Not only was the seventh day where they take off, but also every seventh year they would rest the land and they would rest themselves. And in year six, God would provide enough food to last them year six and seven and into eight. And so this was like a normal, like cyclical part of Israel. And so Dallas says, he's like, it's kind of maybe kind of hard to understand when you're not like farmers and stuff, how significant that was, how much faith that would have taken. He says that 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 is sort of our equivalent today, probably, which says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Here's a time for us to literally be open-handed and say, there's nothing I'm contributing today. There's nothing I can take credit for today. Here are all my anxieties that I can do nothing about today. I can't build up any false hope in my career or in my bank account or in any sort of my to-do list or any of those kind of things. Here's just this open-handedness that I bring to you. Let me pass on four things real quick. There's a guy named J.D. Walt, um, who is uh, a Methodist uh, writer, and he's been, he's just, he's a stud. He wrote this book. It's a little like PDF book that I could email you if you want me to. Just let me know. Um, he, he gave uh, a couple of real practical things that I thought would be worthwhile passing on to you. These are them. These are the four of them real quick. The first thing And I say all this because I think sometimes it's like, okay, that all sounds really nice, but so abstract. Can you give us some concrete things? Here's some concrete stuff. First thing, he says, Sabbath is a consistent weekly observance of a day of rest. Sabbath is a consistent weekly observance of a full 24 hours of rest. So with that, you know, of course there's some flexibility and stuff, but if you want to start building this into your life, then this is the ideal that you should shoot for, is a full day, 24 hours. Now, um, you obviously have to plan ahead for this to happen. You don't accidentally have a Sabbath day. And there's no requirement that it be a Sunday. It can be a Saturday. It can be whatever. Um, and, and so as you're planning, you know, like maybe you base it on what your weekend looks like. You kind of look at what's coming up and like where's the best 24-hour window whether that's a full day or whether that's like from noon one day to the noon next day, however, however you need that to work. But if you're wanting something practical, you need to be thinking 24 hours and try it and then you know, kind of learn as you go. The second thing is related to it. He said, Sabbath needs a clearly defined beginning and end. For the Jewish community, it's sundown to sundown. Um, like I said, you may, you may want yours to be a full day of a Sunday or a full day of a Saturday or start at different points. Um, if you, let's say that you, um, let's say that you go to a church that meets on Sunday night, then this, as the sun sets, might be the, like, how your Sabbath draws to a close. Uh, so it maybe be, so, it maybe would be something that you would start Saturday night around this time, and it goes to the next day. If you work with our kids ministry, or you're in the band here, or you have some sort of, uh, like, time that you give and that's not restful to you, which I understand, then maybe, maybe you plan, kind of plan around that. If you're in the nursery one Sunday and you're like, all right, 445, it's on, then don't count that as part of your Sabbath because you are not resting. We all know that. Uh, that is an amazing time. You just don't need to count that as your Sabbath because it isn't really restorative to you, maybe. Um, whatever that needs to look like for you, it's okay. You just need to, it needs to be clear. So a clearly defined beginning and end of a 24-hour period of time. The third thing says the Sabbath uh, celebrates the week behind and propels you into the week ahead. That's got to be a part of your mindset. Is I want to enjoy this last week. I want to swing into this week ahead with uh, a restored mind and heart. I want to be filled. I don't want to go in on empty. I want to go in full. It makes you look forward to the week ahead. 
And as the week like progresses, you're looking forward to the Sabbath that's coming up. And so you're just kind of swinging constantly from one thing to the next, from one Sabbath to the next. You're living life between the Sabbaths from the last week Sabbath and toward the next weekend Sabbath. That's kind of how it's supposed to work. And so that has to be our, uh, like our mindset. And that helps us understand why something weekly is such a gift. Uh, here's the last thing he says. Sabbath is not about do's and don'ts, but rather a holistic way to be in God's presence. There's a great misunderstanding out there that Sabbath days are just lazy days. And sometimes you need a lazy day, and that's fine. But if we're thinking in terms of creation and covenant, like those things that God ties the Sabbath to, then our Sabbath days of rest need to be filled with things that are reflective of the image of God and the covenant that we're a part of. And so it's not that you don't do anything in that day, it's just that you select the things that you do. Uh, J.D. offers four, four different uh, things to think about. The first one he has is, is ceasing. Okay, this, you don't need to work on your Sabbath. It's different than a day off. A day off, that's when you like, cut the grass and you know, paint the shed and like, do all those kinds of things that you just kind of have to do, and you do those on your day off. Sabbath is not a day off. Sabbath is a day of rest. And so anything that is labor... You don't want that in your day off. Now, if you enjoy, if, if cutting the grass like, fills your soul, okay, then like, run that by Jesus and say, can I cut the grass on the Sabbath? Because that really means a lot to me. But if you hate it, like everyone else on the planet, like, that's not something that you would want to do during your Sabbath time. You don't want to get your pesky little tasks done. It's, it's not a time to just kind of come up with a to-do list and work your way through it. So just don't do things that are considered work. And only you know what that looks like. So for some people, if, you, if making your bed is a task that you just have to do because otherwise you're, you, know, you just feel like your day hasn't started right, maybe you don't make your bed on the Sabbath. But if that's going to stress you out all day, then make your dumb bed. You know, like it's fine. Don't, don't try to get all legalistic about what you can do and can't do. That's what the Jewish community got wrong. They made all these rules about the Sabbath to where they kept coming after Jesus when he was healing people on the Sabbath. And he's like, you guys are missing the point, man. So don't get worried about what you can do and can't do. Let the Lord lead you to what is, what is restful for you, what is good for you, versus what are just things on the to-do list you have to work your way through. And here's, here's a big reason why. We tend to equate love and self-worth with accomplishments. And that is destructive to us. And so God wants to keep us from falling into that trap of being like, look at all the things I accomplished today. Aren't I great? Or, look how few things I did today. I'm such a failure. Here's a whole day where you don't accomplish things in the worldly sense, and your father approves of everything you did that day, you know? So it breaks us of that tendency to find our worth and our value in our jobs and in our money and in our stuff, and then even sometimes how busy we are. It's like, no, that's not going to grab hold of my people. You're accomplishing the deepest, most beautiful thing about you, which is just being a kid that's being loved and cared for by their dad. So, ceasing. You cease to work. The second thing uh, J.D. says is resting. Sometimes you just need to go take a nap. It's fine. You know who also took naps? 
Jesus. You're just following in the footsteps of your rabbi. Sometimes you need to take a nap. You need to sleep late. Sometimes you need to do that. If you're going to wear yourself out on your Sabbath day, wear yourself out with things that are filling you. Play with your kids. Play hard with your kids. You know? Spend time with people who are meaningful to you. Spend, spend deep time. So if you're going to be tired at the end of the Sabbath, it's okay. If that has filled your soul and it's just made you physically tired, that's fine. What you don't want to be is empty all the way across the board. So rest your body, rest your mind, rest your soul. Where do our souls find rest? In the yoke with Jesus. And so that needs to be in there. Rest your emotions, rest your house, rest your car, rest your money, rest your kids, rest your phone, rest your social media accounts. Give a rest to those hashtags. Um, Rest your ears, rest your eyes, rest your watch. This guy that wrote the book, he said when the Sabbath starts, he puts his laptop and his uh, and his phone and his watch and like anything like that, he puts it in a briefcase and they put it in a part of their house where and everything's off. For their whole Sabbath, they are completely off the grid. And you're probably thinking, there's no way that, that could, we could do that. Try it. Just try it. See what, see what happens. Plan ahead. You know, Go buy some groceries. Cook some meals ahead of time. Do whatever you need to do. Just plan for a whole day of not laboring and just see what happens. Adjust all those rhythms so you can enjoy life and not just maintain it. Don't you feel like sometimes your day's off, you're just maintaining? Sabbath is not about maintenance. It's about enjoying what God has done. And that's a sad thing. Is sometimes it feels like, a, as Americans, we never really enjoy the fruits of our labor because we're always laboring. And here's God blessing us with this gift of saying, you know what? At least one day a week, I'm going to make you enjoy it. And see how that doesn't bring joy into the other six. The third thing J.D. says is is feasting. So he has ceasing, resting, feasting. Uh, Eat some special stuff on the Sabbath. Like my brother Drew, he has three kids. And like Sabbath days, there's a cinnamon roll breakfast day. And they don't eat cinnamon rolls any other day of the week. It's just the Sabbath. And so those kids are going to grow up, and that's going to be their thing. And as adults, when they see like a you know, can of Pillsbury cinnamon rolls, they're going to think something differently. So something as simple as dietary stuff is, is in there. But you can feast not just on food. You can feast on quality time with people. You can just have an excessive time with those that you love. You can have excessive times of solitude, excessive times of silence. Feast, like go overboard what you would normally do on other days, because this is not a day like other days. This is a special day. Ceasing, resting, feasting, and the last one is embracing. But this is a God-centered day. And so you do things to nurture your relationship with Him. And so in your silence, in your solitude, and there's prayer, and there's the disciplines that are in there, that there are times to serve other people that's in there. That breakfast in the park fits perfectly into how you would celebrate a Sabbath day. Let's go cook breakfast for people who may not be able to afford breakfast this morning. That's not labor. That's being a part of this Jesus, the fulfillment of the Sabbath. 
He says, hey, when you feed people, it's like you're feeding me because they matter. N.T. Wright says that as the temple was a sacred space, the Sabbath is a sacred time. And so you make it a sacred time as well. So, ceasing, resting, feasting, embracing, all these things that aren't really about the do's and don'ts. It's about connecting with God in all these different ways and making this a special time. I went to see Drew a couple weeks ago, uh, um, like a month ago maybe, and um, I got there on their Sabbath day. And when it came like for bedtime, they have a different bedtime routine on the Sabbath nights than on the other nights. And for them, it was simple. And Drew said, okay, it's like, what's today? And they were like, the Sabbath. So what do we do on the Sabbath? I said, we are thankful. I said, yeah. I said, all right, so let's go around. And everyone just said one thing they were thankful for. And so Landon, who is six, he was thankful for something I don't remember. But it was something that was like, not super deep. And Drew was like, yes. You should be thankful for that because God allowed you to do that or see that or whatever it was. Then Hunter, who's like four, three or four, Hunter said, I'm thankful that, co- that coach came to see us. That's me. And Drew said, yes. We should... <laughs> said, yes, we should, we should thank God that coach came to see us because God like God's the reason Coach was able to come and see us. We should be thankful for that. And Catherine said something, and then Drew said something, and then I said something, and Amos, who's like eight months old, he didn't say anything. <laughs> and Drew didn't correct him. He wasn't like, come on, take this seriously. He wasn't whatever. It didn't matter what the boy said. He was going to affirm it, because that's what you do on the Sabbath. You recognize the gifts that God's given you, and you thank him. It's little. It doesn't have to be this big, dramatic thing just needs to be important to us. Jesus said in Mark 2, says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That God created this for us. We weren't created for it. It was created for us. It's a gift that we just have to steward. And so we really need to recapture this. I could be here for a long time talking about it and ideas and all this kind of stuff, but until, until someone really wants this to be a part of the rhythms of their life, it's not going to be there. And so I hope that this has maybe helped, maybe given us some things to think about. And there are tons of resources out there if you are really wanting to see more practical steps to take toward it. But I would just maybe say, why don't you just try it? Just try it next weekend. Pick 24 hours. Say no to a bunch of things that are labor. Say yes to a bunch of things that look like Jesus and his covenant. And see what happens. It's a gift that he's given us. And so I know that uh, I've talked a little long tonight, but we're going to do, do a song. We're going to take communion. Um, we're going to kind of just receive that together tonight as a response. So once you stand up, we'll, um, we'll close. And communion is an appropriate response because what you're doing is you're approaching the Lord of the Sabbath 
So if he is the one sitting at the table, which tonight it'll be Chase. Uh, you can come on. Chase is going to come and serve us communion tonight on behalf of his family. Um, but you can pretend it's not Chase. You can pretend it's Jesus because that's who Chase was representing. That Jesus is inviting you to him and saying, I have the grace that you need to not have to work 24-7. I have the grace that you need to get you through a whole day where you're not contributing to your, to your own laborious efforts and desires for approval and all that kind of stuff. I have the grace that you need to sustain you while you rest. That the God who never sleeps or slumbers has got you and he has us. And that that displays who our Father is. And so communion will be here. If you want to come kneel and pray, that's fine. We're just going to do one song and um, respond to this word that God has brought through the scriptures to us. Let me pray for us and then you can step forward and we'll close out. God, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for the gift of the Sabbath and for meeting us in linear time. Because we know you operate in a different sense. You're not, you're not tied to the clock like we are. You're not, it's not how you function. But you meet us where we are. And you know our tendencies and our how often we work ourselves too much. And we struggle to enjoy the fruits of our labors and the ways that you desire. We find our worth in the weirdest of places. So thank you for helping us uh, break those kinds of chains in different ways. In these next few moments, God, through prayer, through song, through communion, pray that you would help us to say yes to you and to trusting you. It requires a lot of humility to practice the Sabbath, and we need your help to be humble. We can be prideful on our own. We don't need your help for that. But to be helpful, we really need what you offer us. So as we respond, we pray that uh, your will would be done in this place. All right, you can come forward, you can come and pray, or let's sing together.